0: If you were here last week, Jesus had much to say about family, that we as his people, as a church, are family. He introduced that family distinction. You can think really what he talks about today is that there's a family language. There's a a family lingo that those in the family hear and others do not. And so as we read this, let me just ask you to pay attention to words that you'll hear throughout this passage. Ear, hear, eye, see, heart, understand. And, and, and notice, what is, what is Jesus' point as he says these things? So stand with me and hear the reading of God's word, Matthew 13. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would speak now, and we ask that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Matthew 13. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Well, you may have noticed, but in our day and age, many people love to type people. You might even say there's people, there's the type of people who love to type people and the type of people who don't love to type people. Right, but we, we have all sorts of categories that we can think of, and you can think introverts, extroverts. You can think your Myers Briggs, the four letters that explain who you are. You can think artsy people and math and sciencey people. Right, you can probably think of blog posts or social media posts that you've come along that say, take this test and it'll tell you that you're like this character in this movie or whatever. All of these things, though, I think are attempts to explain who we are and why we are the way that we are, right? We want to know why does this person in my life respond this way when I do this? Or why do I do this when, when they say this to me? Why, why do I act the way I do? All of these typings really seek to explain, right? To explain who we are and why we do the things we do. And it's not just new stuff. I mean, this has been around. You can think zodiacs, horoscopes, birth months, birth order. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that we have tried to explain this. And so I'll ask you this morning, how many types of people are there? How many types of people exist in the world? I want to tell you two stories, both about students that I met at ETSU one was a guy named Matt, and I remember meeting him. I remember our first conversation. I was walking through the student center, found him, and we just started talking. And it was an incredible first conversation. He was open. He was engaging. He was interested. He was atheist, but he was interested in talking about the gospel and hearing what I had to say. He was really, he was really open with me about the severe depression that he had had for years and the struggles that he had. And I was was really hopeful that first day. Like, what can God do in Matt's life? What what can God do as we continue to talk? Maybe God will open his heart. And so we kept meeting. We met several times over the next month or so. And I remember one of the last times I met with him, we sat at the student center and, man, he, he just spoke the gospel back to me. It was clear. It was accurate. He understood it. He shared it right back with me. But he didn't believe it. For all the clarity he had about the gospel, he was actually offended by the gospel rather than believing the gospel. He was offended that God would think he needs to save us instead of us being able to do something on our own to be able to save ourselves. And so Matt heard, he understood, but he didn't really understand. why, Why was Matt so repulsed by the gospel? Why was he so angry about something he clearly understood? Well, there's another student named Damien that I met. Similar first conversation. We got to sit and talk, get to know each other, talk through the gospel. We looked at scripture. We heard together what Jesus had done for us. But Damien received the gospel. He believed it. He embraced the Lord Jesus with joy and eagerness and willingness And over the next couple years, I got to walk alongside Damien as he began to learn how to put one foot in front of the other and walk with the Lord. But why the difference? I I didn't have a different message. I didn't have a different gospel. They didn't hear something different. They heard the same thing. But why such a difference between Matt on one hand and Damien on the other? You think in your own life. Why has this person in your life received the gospel And walked with the Lord and why has this person rejected all of it or why has this child kept walking with Jesus and why has this child abandoned the faith right why do people why do some get it and others not get it even when they hear the very same message as we jump into this passage like I said this is a A parable it's really the beginning of a a chapter of parables jesus teaches about the sower in verses one to nine right there's a sower he goes out and then there's four types of soil and depending on what kind of soil depends on what happens to the seed it's not all that complex but you'll notice in verses one and two that he's teaching the crowds at this point right he's on the sea and there's crowds gathered about him as he teaches this now when we get to verse 10 the setting changes Verse 10, it says the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak in parables? So verse 10 to the end is, is private conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. So notice that shift. And so Jesus in verses 10 to 17 is going to explain about parables in, in general. That's going to be helpful for us today as well as the next several weeks. But then verses 18 to 23, he comes back to that specific parable, that particular parable, and he's going to explain it, but again, in private among his disciples so that they understand it. And so we're going to begin in verses 10 to 17. We'll get to the parable itself in a minute, but starting in verse 10 to 17, again, it's parables in general. And so the disciples come to Jesus and say, why? Why why do you speak? Why why are you teaching in these parables, in these images? Why why these stories that that mean something? And Jesus' answer May or may not be what you expect him to say, but let's hear what he has to say. The fundamental reason, Jesus says, is there's two types of people in the world. There's those who get it, and then there there's, are those who don't get it. It's not a difference of people hearing, it's a, people, it's a difference of people understanding in the heart. And so first, let's think about those who don't get it, those who don't really hear it. The disciples ask why in verse 10 and then beginning in verse 11, Jesus gives them two becauses. Okay. Verse 11, he says, he answered them. And then the, the Greek word for because is there. It's hidden in the ESV, but he answered them because to you, it has been given to know, but to them, it has not been given. So Jesus's first reason is he speaks in parables because his message is given to some and not given to others. It's a message not given to those who don't have ears to hear. In fact, verse 12, he's going to say, from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So parables actually take away from those who don't have. We could say that parables have a concealing function, right? Parables actually conceal the message from those who don't actually get it. But Jesus goes on to a second reason in verse 13 says, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Jesus speaks in parables because they're already hard-hearted, because their ears are already closed. As D.A. Carson puts it, it's because people are spiritually insensitive. So Jesus is going to quote from Isaiah, from Isaiah's commissioning here in Isaiah 6. So Isaiah is commissioned to his prophetic office and he famously says, here I am, Lord, send me. And then God says, you're going to go, you're going to proclaim the message, but you're going to go to a people who hear but never understand. A people who see but never perceive. You're going to go speak to a people whose hearts are dull, who have closed their eyes. To a people who won't hear and turn and repent or be healed. You're going to go to a people who can't really hear and can't really understand with their hearts and Jesus says that that's, that applies today right the people in his audience that applies to them and right we can think this isn't a problem back then this is right still persisting today but the second reason Jesus gives is that parables have a judgment function so they conceal from those who don't have ears but they also are a judgment because they already don't have ears So Dan Doriani sums it up well. He says, Jesus speaks cryptically in parables because of unbelief. That's verses 13 to 15. But also to seal unbelief, to hide it from those who are unbelieving in verses 11 to 12. And so as Jesus teaches on this, there's no, in Jesus' mind, there's no tension here between God's sovereignty in one hand and man's responsibility on the other hand. Right? The first reason is God's sovereignty. God is sovereignly over their hard heartedness and he has not given them knowledge, right? It's not given to them by God and his sovereignty. But the second reason has to do with man's own personal responsibility, his own sinfulness, right? These people have closed their ears. They have closed their eyes. They have hardened their hearts in their sin and in their stubbornness. Both of these things are at work together. And so Jesus teaches in parables for this negative reason, but there's also some positive for those who do get it. And we who have ears to hear, we who get it, it's not because we're smarter. It's not because we've worked harder at understanding what Jesus has to say, and so therefore we've finally arrived at it. It's not that God has looked out and said, well, those are the better people, and I'm going to give it to them because they've got power and influence, or they're wealthier. They've got this, that, or the other. No It's just given to us. Look again at verse 11. Because to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12, to the one who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. So we have ears to hear because it's been given to us by God. He has given us working ears, working eyes, believing hearts. Now here specifically, he says it's to know the secrets of of the kingdom of heaven. So that word secret is an important word throughout the scriptures. It's the word mystery, but secret is probably most helpful for us in English. It always refers to God's redemptive acts, redemptive purposes that are revealed or concealed. Right, it's a secret. So some get it and some don't. And so here he's saying that to his, to his disciples, like you get to know God's redemptive purpose. It's revealed to you. They get to see that Jesus is king. We get to see that Jesus is king. We, we understand this. And, and think about this in the context. Jesus has been here. He's been doing ministry. But there's been a lot of opposition. Right? The Pharisees, the rulers of the Jews, have not been receiving what he's been saying while the disciples have been receiving it. Why? Well, they don't have ears to hear, but the disciples are seeing the king has come. The kingdom has begun. Right? The, the kingdom has been planted in the hearts of men and it's growing even if others can't see it. Right? We can think of that today. It's been 2,000 years and many would scoff to think that God's kingdom has come to earth. It doesn't look like it. Right? This world's still a mess. But we who have eyes of faith can see that God's kingdom is here and it is growing in our hearts and in our lives and in our cultures. We've been given that secret. And so Jesus teaches in parables, but he goes on in verse 16 and says, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear for many prophets and righteous people have longed to see this, have longed to be here on this day when the kingdom has come. And so if you have ears to hear as you're listening, if you have faith in Jesus, you're blessed. Jesus says that you are blessed with that by God. Because your body parts, your spiritual body parts are functioning how they ought to be. and So Jesus' is teaching in parables, it gives to some and it takes away from others. It reveals to some and it conceals to others. And if you think about this and interactions you've had, your own life, like we, we see this, this. This makes sense to us. We I mean, as Christians tend to love parables. Right? Like we, we love these things. Like they're, they're stories that we remember. Right? They, they get in our heads and they stick. They're stories that get in our hearts and they compel us. Right? Like, it's, it's the parables of Jesus that move us towards love of God and love of neighbor and, and faith in Him that they, they, they give to us, they reveal to us. But non-Christians can hear the same parable. They can even understand the, the parable on the surface. Well, this parable has something to do about a sower and soils, and some soils are good and some are bad. Like I get that. That's pretty basic. It's not that complex of teaching. But they miss all of the spiritual freight that is being carried by this train but they don't get it they don't hear it they hear the story but they miss the message and so parables are like a a coded message it's like family lingo or right you think of a time you've been in another country or around people speaking another language like i hear what they're saying but i got no clue what it is right so jesus's message are understood by some and not by others Why again? Why why the difference between Matt and Damien? Why the difference in your life between this person and that person? Well, Jesus tells us that fundamentally there are two types of people in the world. There are those who get it and there are those who don't get it. There are those who have been given ears to hear by God and his sovereignty and there are those who have not been given ears to hear. There are those who have softened hearts and believe and embrace the gospel. And there are those who in their sin have hardened their hearts and suppressed the truth. And don't want anything to do with it because of their own sinfulness. So parables reveal and parables conceal. And for those who have working ears, Jesus continues in verse 18. He says, hear then this particular parable. Hear it. Right, that word here there should stand out to us. Like pay attention. If you've been given ears, use them right now. Listen to what Jesus has to say. He said the same thing back in verse nine. If you look up there, after he finished the parable, he said, he who has ears, let him hear, right? If you've been given ears, God has given them to you for the purpose of hearing. So Jesus explains the parable to his disciples and to us today. Jesus himself is a sower. He's the one going around casting seed. He's casting it everywhere, casting it broadly. And that seed is going to land in a variety of places. And depending on where it lands will determine what happens with that seed. If it's a good place to land, it's going to grow and be fruitful. If it's not, then it will not be fruitful. And so we'll look at these four soils. Now, there's four soils, but there's really two types. There's three bad soils and one good soil. Three that are unfruitful, one that is fruitful. So first, there's the soil that is attacked spiritually. Verse 19, it's along the path, it's devoured by Birds, Jesus says that this person hears the word but does not understand it, just like the people in Isaiah's day. The gospel's come to this person. Maybe the gospel has come many times to this person, but it's not penetrated, it's not taken root, because Satan and his demons come and attack. And they take away what is sown so that the seed can't bear fruit. Now, we do well to pay attention to this to know that both in our lives, And in the lives of others as we do evangelism and seek to bring them to the gospel, Satan is there. Satan is at hand, seeking to attack any time that the gospel goes forth. And he will do whatever he can to take that seed from being planted in someone's heart. Second soil, verse 20 to 21, it's rocky ground. There's not a lot of soil there. This person also hears the gospel. They even seem to receive it. There's joy. There's excitement. Everybody looking on looks at this person and says, look, looks like a new believer, looks like somebody who's embraced the gospel. But verse 21, he has no root in himself and he falls away when difficulty comes. The joy lasts only for a time because there is no depth. Trials come, difficulties come. The trials that certainly litter the Christian path and this seed is uprooted. Maybe this person thought that Jesus would keep them from all harm in this life. Maybe they thought that life would just be good after they embraced Jesus, that there'd be happiness now and money and wealth and comfort and health, and there wouldn't be any difficulties anymore. And so when the difficulties come, Jesus is no longer worth it. And so whether it's the regular tribulations of life or whether it's the specific persecutions for the faith, they come and this seed is uprooted. This is helpful for us as well. Sometimes it just takes time to really tell what's there. Right? I can think of people in my life, people I've known, where it looks like that seed has taken root. It looks like the gospel has entered in. It looks like they've received and submitted to Christ in faith. But years go by. A couple years later, you run into them or you see them, and things have changed. they've abandoned the faith that they once embraced they've walked away from the jesus that they once once proclaimed faith in sometimes it takes time to really tell did that seed really take root or not we have a third soil verse 22 the one among thorns this person also hears the word the seed goes there but any growth that the gospel would have is choked out by their world loving heart right it's cares for the world it's the deceitfulness of riches that choke the word and make it prove unfruitful. Well, if the second soil can't weather difficulty, the third soil just runs to the, the pleasures, the comforts, the good things that are promised by this world. And the allure of the world just proves too much for this person. It might be worldly riches and comforts. It might be lustful sensuality and bodily cravings. It might be cares for what people think and social standing and social influence and applause and accolades. But whatever it is this person is drawn to that light rather than the light of the gospel and they're taken away from the Lord so three soils but one problem right, it's just one type of person here because all these soils receive the seed all these people hear the word yet none of them is fruitful because they don't have the soil that's right for the seed their heart is not in the right spot it's not been softened by the Lord but The differences do illustrate for us the different challenges that, that greet us, right? There's spiritual forces who attack, there's difficulties that come, and there's those empty promises that the world gives of all the comfort and pleasure that's out there. All of those are enemies of the Word of God in someone's life. But then we come to the fourth soil, the good soil in verse 23. He is the one who hears the Word and understands it. And that's the difference of phrase there. This one understands. This person believes and receives the word of God. And so he indeed bears fruit. Fruitfulness comes. And this just makes sense. Where life-giving seeds find good soil, life will spring up. And so in our lives as well, where the life-giving gospel finds fertile soil in our hearts, like life's going to come. It's just natural that that's going to come about. So four soils, but again, just one is fruitful. And so before you think about other people, consider yourself first. Which of these soils best pictures your heart? Which one of these describes how you have heard and received or not received the word of God? One of the things we see here is that It's not merely enough to hear God's word. There's lots of people who hear God's word. It's not merely enough for soil to have seed cast on it. We've got to receive it. We've got to believe what Jesus gives us in the word. We must see the King Jesus through it. And so for you who do believe, for you who have received, you are the good and fruitful soil. But why? Well, go back to verse 11. We've already looked at it, but look at it again. He answered them, because to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Right? You can't change your soil. And every one of us has come into this world as these other three types of soil, probably all put together. But our God has changed our hearts. He has given us different soils so that when we would hear the gospel, it would find a home and it would grow up and it would produce life for us right were were it not for jesus how many times would satan have successfully come and attacked you and robbed the seed of the gospel from your life right how often would he have taken that word away before it had really planted were it not for jesus how many times would the difficulties of life had thrown you totally off course had robbed all your faith in god were it not for jesus how many times would you have wandered away chasing the pleasures that this world promises and can't deliver? Were it not for Jesus giving us a soft heart, a new heart, a good soil, the gospel would not have been planted successfully in our lives, but praise be to God that it has, right? If you believe, then praise be to God that he has changed your soil. I can think of a plant at home that my wife like every three months is like this soil needs to be changed You can just imagine like talking to that plant saying change your soil It's foolish We can't change our own soil, but praise be to god If he has God promises this back in deuteronomy 36. He says the lord your god will Circumcise your heart so that you will love him with all your heart and soul And then we see it on display in Acts 16 When Paul goes to to Philippi, he meets Lydia and Paul is out there just scattering the word, right? Casting the seed. And it says the Lord opened Lydia's heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The Lord changed her soil so that she would hear. And so notice in verse 23, the promise. All right, the good soil, he indeed bears fruit and yields 160 or 30 fold. The promise is that if you believe you will be fruitful. Now, I imagine that some of you, as soon as I say that, you've got another thought in your head of, no, I'm not fruitful. Like I can think of all the areas in my life where the gospel hasn't borne the fruit that I wish it would, where I wish I was more fruitful, where I wish I was more sanctified. And there's probably some truth to that, but sometimes other people can see that fruit in us a lot easier than we can see it in ourselves. But know that Jesus actually promises where the seed of the gospel comes and it is received, it will bear fruit. That is the power of the word of God in you. And so believe that. And know that we're all going to grow at different rates, right? Some bear bear fruit a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. We're not all going to grow the same. But you don't have to grow the same as somebody else. Just know that the gospel will bear fruit as you hear it and as you believe it. So let me bring this home with three closing applications hearing if you've graciously been given ears use them but god did not give you ears just to sit on your heart and not hear his word he gave you your heart ears so that you would actually hear his word and so that you would work diligently at that so you would be faithful at that christianity is fundamentally a religion of word a religion of communication god speaks and we listen so we're going to be listening to him for the rest of our lives. And so in your homes, be diligent to hear God's word, to listen to it, to be in it. As you come here week by week, be diligent to hear God's word, right? Satan wants to keep you out of this place week by week. He knows the seed is going to be scattered here when you come here. He wants to keep you out. And then when you're here, he wants you to be distracted. Right? It's easy to be distracted in a sermon. But be diligent to listen week by week to God's word as it comes to you. And as you hear, think about these three bad soils. So if God has given you ears to hear, you're, you're the good soil, but these three soils, right, they still kind of linger. <laughs> right? They still present some of the challenges that we face, some of the enemies that lurk around us. Right? Satan wants to attack you. He wants to do anything he can to keep you from hearing God's word. He's not casual about that. He's not passive about that. He is actively fighting to keep you from hearing the word of God. Or difficulties, right? Difficulties make us not want to hear and obey and really receive what God says in his word. Difficulties lurk. Or thirdly, a love for the pleasures of the world. Right, all the allure of the world seeks to draw us away from hearing what God has to say. And So think about yourself. Which of these three enemies of the word is most combative to you right now? Is it spiritual forces? Is it difficulties that you face? Is it the allure of the pleasure of the world? Like, Which of these is most attacking you from hearing God's word right now? Second thing, sowing. Well, Jesus is the sower here. He's the the master sower, but it's a family business. And as those who are brought into the family, we get to partake in the family business. We get to be sowers too. Now, the thing about sowing in this parable is he sows it everywhere, right? He doesn't just sow it in the good soil. And so we shouldn't either. We should broadly cast the seed of the gospel, right? In fact, I don't know the soil of someone's heart and you don't either. So we can't just cast the seed on good soil. We we cast it everywhere. And time will tell where the good soil is. And so two applications for this. One, you have non-believing friends and family and neighbors and coworkers and whoever in your life. And you know that week by week, as we gather for worship, God's word is going to be proclaimed right here. Invite them. like Invite your non-Christian friends and family and neighbors to come with you. And who knows? God might soften their heart and make it receptive to hear what is being said. But secondly, you're a sower in their life too. and So sow the word. Speak of our Lord Jesus. Speak the word of God to those around you. The third thing is praying. this, This parable confronts us with our powerlessness. You and I have absolutely zero ability to change the soil of someone else's heart. And we wish we could time, at times. Right? There are people that I would love to change their heart, but I can't. And you can't. We keep sowing. Right? That's our job. We're to keep sowing. We're to keep casting that word, to keep speaking the word of God. But we can't change their heart. But we do know the person who can. Right? God is the one who gives a new heart. God is the one who gives knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And so pray. Plead with the Lord. Ask him to give a new heart, to give good soil To the people in your life who do not seem to have that good soil. Pray and ask God for it. Let me pray. Our Father and our God, we give you thanks and praise that you have all power. We give you praise and thanks that you have given us ears to hear and hearts to believe. Help us to do so all the more. And Lord, Lord, we do pray for those around us who don't know you, who have hard hearts. We pray, God, that you would soften their hearts that you would make them receptive and that you would scatter the, the word of God upon them. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.